Hi, this is Jake Turner for the Turning Points Podcast. This is your home for the best guests, Calvin Watkins, sports writer for The Athletic, about to make his debut for BobMcGinnFootball.com. He is Mark Eccles. And the best takes you won't find anywhere else. And I don't like hype machines. Niners are going to be pretty good this year. No. Find this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's time to get to the turning point of the sports world. thought is kind of a slog but when it comes to what I saw last night with the LA Clippers and the Golden State Warriors I might have to start tuning into this and that's why I brought in my good friend from hooprumors.com he is Chris Kraus and you can find him on Twitter at CW underscore Kraus and he joins us now uh, Chris how you doing good Jake thanks for having me oh it's a pleasure to have you on here now first off I got to talk about what happened last night to the Warriors I don't know. I mean, I, I really feel like they just got careless with the ball, um, especially like right towards the end of the third quarter. It's just, you know, when you when you look back, you can kind of see that's where everything started to, to kind of switch. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say momentum because, you know, it's kind of a buzzword, but, you know, the Clippers really gained something there. But, Chris, I was watching this last night and the Warriors were on autopilot. They were looking great. And even though they kept watching the lead go down to 17, 14, 11, I could not believe that they could not adjust in time to try and build back up that lead again because isn't that what the Warriors have been able to do in the past? Yeah, that's exactly it. So, you, you know, they coast and then it's kind of just a machine that keeps on going. And, yeah, exactly. you're exactly right. At no point were you like, okay, you know, they're, they're going to lose this game. You're like, okay, maybe it gets to single digits. Maybe maybe they maybe they only win by, you know, 8 to 10. Uh, but, hey, you know, when, you, when, you're auto, when you're on autopilot, when you're coasting, when you're – you know, letting the other team hang around, these kind of things can happen. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, it's a great story for L.A. If it's a great story for L.A., what does it mean about the Warriors then going forward, Chris? Because, I mean, the fact is, is that we know that the Warriors are going to win this series here, but what are the chances of the Clippers awakening and maybe shocking the world? I, I can't see it. I mean, okay. I would probably put it like, I would probably put it at, you know, do they win another game as the real uh, the real question? Will the Clippers win another game? I mean, what do you think? Do you think the LA could steal one more? Or I, I kind of feel like that's the under-over, if you will. I think they can take that momentum into game three, put them up two games to one, and then the Warriors wake up and knock them right out the door. Because the, the Clippers don't have that superstar player yet. They don't have that aspect that makes you go, okay, they can take them on. I love the way Doc Rivers so coaches up this team because – they are hungry. They don't care who's on the court. They're going to give it everything they got. And that's a lot of credit to what they did with, you know, sending off DeAndre Jordan away, sending Chris Paul away a couple years ago. And, you know, the thing is, too, is how bad, I mean, how bad do you think it is right now to be a Lakers fan when you see Lou Williams going off for 36 points? It is tough. I mean, especially, you know, so many, so many teams could have had Lou Williams. So many, I mean, he played for a lot of teams. And, right. And, you know, when you see this continue and you see the way he's kind of impacting the game, uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure they thought they had bigger plans. I'm sure other teams thought they, thought they could do better. And um, Lou Williams is just the, you know, the engine that keeps on running. But everywhere he goes, Chris, he was great with the Warriors. He was great with the Rockets. He fit in nicely with the Clippers. But, I mean, the Lakers had this guy when Magic Johnson took the job. 
why is it that they decided to let Lou go like this? I mean, they just threw him out the door. They just traded him away for like a, a late round draft pick. Yeah, it's almost like they wish they would have him back. I mean, if you look at all the players that the Lakers brought in, you know, Lou is kind of just like, they do what they do, but Lou does it better. I mean, if you look at like Stevenson coming in, Michael Beasley, someone to take the offensive burden, or at least the idea of that, taking the offensive burden off of uh, LeBron James. Williams would have been really nice and a really, really good addition to that team. Um, but hey, you know, it's the Clippers, it's the Clippers game. <laughs> and we talk about the Clippers game, and by the way, he's Chris Krause of HoopRumors.com, joining me here on Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. So what do you think uh, with the, what do you think of this? I mean, I say the Clippers will be done in about five games. I say about six games. I say that's. I think the Clippers are given a, a good effort going forward. Yeah, I think I think it's five or six. I mean, okay. it's really a matter of now. What does Golden State do? Do they try to? How do they do to like over uh, compensate for the boogie injury or for Demarcus Cousins as he wants to be called now? Um, yeah. That's... How do they? How do they? How do they kind of come back and say? All right, do we do we prepare? Do we mess around and not not mess around, but do we do we take this like a regular season approach? Take one of the games and, and try it out before they get to you know potentially the Rockets next round and and uh, you know much much more competition as it goes along, or do they say hey we don't want to we don't want to get injured anymore and we we don't want to take that right. risk and we're just going right. to come out and annihilate? Uh, I mean they have the ability to do both. I mean where do you which way do you kind of see it going? Do you see them tinkering the lineups a little bit? I see they tinker in a little bit with the bench a little as well. I mean, I think they'll put a lot more minutes on Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Jordan Bell. Because if you take a look at this season, the bench was not the storyline for the Warriors. They always put all the emphasis on Curry and Thompson and Green. And you want to be able to do that. Then get Durant in there and he's able to connect. And that's another thing, too, is they're going to have to put more emphasis on the bench going forward. And I think it'll work out for them. They've still got a very deep roster, and they're still the big, giant monster that everybody needs to beat right now. If the Warriors do not make it to the NBA Finals, that's a problem for the NBA. That's a problem for the casual viewer that will be tuning in. All right, so we talk about the casual viewer for a minute. I think everybody could say, I think we could safely say this, though. The casual viewer is all locked in on Magic and Raptors. Yeah, I mean, it, it has become really one of the more competitive series, I, I, I believe. I mean, I thought it was going to go five games. I thought the Magic were going to steal one. Uh, I did not anticipate the Raptors coming out to the slow start that they, you know, have been accustomed to in previous uh, in, in, on previous teams. And I, I really want to know what Kyle Lowry does to prepare for the playoffs. Like, whatever Zero it is, I don't, maybe he's just like too, maybe it's too zen, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not getting amped up because this has been a common theme. And it's, it's unfortunate for him because a lot of your casual viewers come in and say, oh, well, Lowry's, you know, they don't realize how actual good this is. I mean, like, I, I think Lowry ends up making the Hall of Fame. I think he has years to go before he's there. I mean, he has a couple more years of, of this level of play. But your casual viewers say, oh, this guy is garbage because, you know, he doesn't, uh, because he doesn't show up in the playoff times. And uh, it's really a disservice to himself. But, you know, that... That, that happening is, you know, the Magic can take advantage of that. And, you know, I mean, hats off to them for game one. I mean, what were your initial thoughts when you when you were watching that game, when you saw, like, the Magic, uh, you know, kind of just come in there and say, hey, we, we can hang? They looked calm, Chris. They looked calm. Even when, the, even when the Raptors going into about two minutes left in the first half, a 17-2 run. And I, I thought it was a... a I thought the Raptors were going to come up barreling out there because one of the weakest quarters of the Orlando Magic this year was the third quarter. 
And I felt like, okay, now Raptors are going to come in. They're going to blow them out of the area. But then we forget about this. The Orlando Magic have one of the top five best defenses in the NBA. And it showed. It didn't matter if it was Kawhi Leonard hitting those shots. You kept looking up at the score and going, that should be higher. How are they only up by five points right now to the Orlando Magic? And Nikolai Vucevic coming into the game was not doing well. He was shooting two of it, two for ten. He wasn't looking sharp. And then you let DJ Augustine, of all guys, come to life. Outdo Kyle Lowry and hit 25 points. And not just that. Kawhi Leonard hits that, hits that potential game winner. But then DJ Augustine says, okay, anything you can do, I can do better. The scariest thing about a team coming in that is hot, like the Orlando Magic, is that the confidence they are 22 and 9 in their last 31 games 22 and 9 that is unbelievable yeah and uh you know i i want to give credit to someone who's probably not gonna get a lot of spotlight i mean he was bruised up and got some camera Mm -hmm. time on uh on saturday it's michael carter williams i mean oh i think him coming in and solidifying that second unit i mean he's not really running the show in the second unit but he's just that last piece that comes in and 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 defensively fits the identity um and you know actually made made a lot of people uh you know like surprised a lot of people and like turned a lot of heads because you 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 think this guy oh he's kind of washed up you know yes he's not he's not gonna have any impact and you know he's proven everybody wrong yeah, that's what I thought about Michael Carter-Williams. I sat there and went, okay. I mean, he had some good moments with the Bobcats and the Hornets, but I never thought to myself, yep, yeah, that's the key right there because the Magic just made a deal to get Markel Fultz, and then they bring in Michael Carter-Williams on a 10-day contract. Not just that, though. They bring him in on another 10-day contract, and then they sign him for the rest of the playoffs. And he's taken advantage. I mean... 18 minutes, 10 points, he was 4 for 8 shooting, and 5 rebounds. And I mean, that's that's excellent because that takes the pressure off guys like Terrence Ross that is told to do so much to a point where he's averaging at least 24 to 27 points per game while everybody else is just sitting there. So a lot of credit to Steve Clifford adjusting with Michael Carter-Williams and Ken Birch. I mean, Birch came to life. I, I, I've only seen this guy a couple of times but this made me feel really good right now if you're a Magic fan and the future of this franchise. Yeah, he stepped up in the moment that he needed to. And, you know, I, I think I think what they have is a full team. I mean, it's not a championship yes. quality team, but it's a, no. they figured out how to fill the whole the, the whole thing. And, and Michael Carter-Williams coming in on the 10-day contract, he was my 10-day contract MVP for the piece that uh, <laughs> we're doing over at Hoops Rumors. I didn't and, even know that existed. You know, it's, because it's really, it's 12 games, but he really was a difference maker. I mean, they went 10 and uh, they went 10 and 2 during that 12 game stretch. You know, uh, as you said, the Magic were hot in the end of the season. They continued. They added him to the system, and I, I compared him to I, I compared the Magic to a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs and uh, Michael Carter Williams being the Parmesan cheese on top. By itself, it's probably not anything that that write home about, but you know, it's just the perfect compliment to that to the, to the team. I thought it was an excellent compliment, and I, I really did just admire the way that Steve Clifford outcoached Nick Nurse in the last five minutes of that game as well, because you could see them. They ha- Just aside from Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Saul was missing shots right now. Kyle Lowry was an afterthought. I mean, you talk about Kyle Lowry here for a minute. Zero points. Last year, seven points. 
This is alarming right now. And you don't have DeMar DeRozan, but you have one of the top five best players in the NBA, and you're trying to tell me you can't beat a team that doesn't even have a superstar quite yet. But now here we are. And this really makes me feel good too, Chris, because I have to go cover this game on Friday evening with Eric Wilson of Fox Sports Radio, 1070 AM. Shameless plug, I understand. But the thing is, it's going to be rocking. I mean, it's sold out right now. People are talking about it all over the place. I walk down Baldwin Park every day after I get done with my workout, and I see Go Magic signs all over the place. This city is embracing this team for the first time since Dwight Howard put the Magic jersey on. Yeah, and I, you know, I kind of felt it that night that uh, that I was covering the, the Magic down there with the uh, the Bulls game. Even though they lost that <laughs> game, you could feel it there. You could feel the energy there, and you could also feel the disappointment that they that they lost. They're now expecting to win. The, pe- the the team is expecting to come out and compete. It's no, this isn't this isn't last year's Magic. This isn't the Magic of the last couple of years. This no, is, it's not. This is a team that think they think they can win. No, you had a the problem with the Magic the last couple of years was Frank Vogel thought that he was owning the room every time he walked in. If you watch a Steve Clifford press conference compared to Frank Vogel, Vogel goes on for about 10 to 12 minutes. Steve Clifford comes in five minutes, tops. And then, all right, I got other stuff to do, guys. Thank you so much. See you later. That was his post game. And I could tell when I first did my first game with the Orlando Magic, I sat there and realized, wow, this guy might be the answer for the Orlando Magic going forward. And look where we are now. I got a question for you, though. Because I feel like there are no answers uh, have been given to us quite yet. But what is going on with the Philadelphia 76ers? I mean, granted, they came out 51-23 to in the third quarter. They looked like themselves again. But they should never be in this situation with the Brooklyn Nets right now, Chris. That's probably right. And, you know, they're doing what they did all year. They played one half of actual championship basketball. That kind of basketball, right. could, could, they could compete with anybody. But they haven't done that consistently, and you know maybe they do. Maybe they will. Maybe they will come in and now kind of use that uh, catapult and the next couple games take over Brooklyn. And uh, but we, we've yet to see it done. I mean, they've only played 12 games. The the the, five, the starting five has only played 12 games together. I mean, they're 10 and two during that. Or I'm sorry, yeah, they're um, they're nine. They're 93 during that stretch, and they just need more time together. And they, I mean, they're not going to get it during the postseason. I mean, it's already we're already here. But, you know, this is something that you almost have to temper expectations, especially if you're, you know, expecting a championship run this season. Uh, I don't see it, but, you know, uh, you, you never know when that spurt's coming. You never know when that, that kind of half can come. And uh, if they can put that kind of effort, uh, they can put that kind of effort and have them back-to-back uh, games like that, then, you know, then they become dangerous. But, yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you kind of see from, um, from a different uh, standpoint? Chris Cross of HoopRumors.com joining us on Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. And uh, Chris, I'm glad you brought that up because I got to ask this question because, I mean, Jimmy Butler last night only seven points, Tobias Harris 19. But I look at the bench last night and they put a lot of emphasis on Arjunovic and Mike Scott. I hope hope I said that correctly. Uh, But 31 points between the two. But I also sit here and go, if the Sixers can't even get out of the first round, what does that mean for Brent Brown going forward? Uh, he would be on some shaky ground, but I think they have other changes to make. I mean, if they don't get out of the first round, like I don't think you're going to see Jimmy Butler back. 
Um, I think you're, I think that's going to be an excuse to kind of break up this core that they put together. Um, some changes are happening, but uh, ultimately, I don't think they lose in the first round. I think they can take care of Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a well-oiled machine. They are running at full efficiency, and you know you saw what happens when uh, the Sixers say, "Hey, we're going to put on the gas." They can just fly mm-hmm. right by them, and you know they're going to need to do that over the next couple of games. And I think I think they have the ability to. They can beat Brooklyn. Um, the, the, the Sixers' real problem is going to come next round when you know if they play Toronto and the Toronto we've seen all season, not the Toronto we saw on Saturday. But uh, but yeah, so it, Brett Brown's Brett Brown should be there. I mean, he 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 deserves to be there. He's he's earned his way. But I think you're going to have a lot of people uh, saying otherwise if they don't get to the conference finals. But it just seems so easy to just be like, oh, it's all Brett Brown's fault. And it's like, well, wait a minute. There there has to be more to the story than what we're getting right now. I mean, and it's also, it's the same thing with what's happening with the Boston Celtics. Everybody keeps saying, oh, you know, Brad Stevens might be the issue. No, it's Kyrie Irving. It's Gordon Hayward not working together as a team right now. Because if you watch last year with the Celtics, they were unstoppable until LeBron James came to life and, you know, saved the Cavaliers' hide. But at that point, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, they were all hitting the shots they needed and were able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. But what I don't understand here is, will the real Boston Celtics please stand up anytime soon? Uh, I think you saw them on. Um, I think you saw them on Sunday against the Pacers. I think that mm-hmm. I think they're getting ready to gear up. They know they say they don't have a switch. There's no on and off switch. But I mean, I think they do. I think they're everyone's kind of buying in. They're all getting ready, and you know they're, they're gonna. I think they're gonna breeze past the Pacers. I think when uh, Milwaukee comes in, Milwaukee comes in, they should. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. And uh, you know the Milwaukee Celtics potential series. You know Celtics aren't gonna have Marcus Smart. Brogdon might not be there for Milwaukee, so you kind of see that as an equalizer. And I think that's gonna be that might be the greatest the, the greatest series in the Eastern Conference this year. I think the winner um, of that series is gonna have to earn it. All right, let's. So we've gone through our studs here. Let's go through our duds here. I, I gotta. Right out the gate here, just talk about this game. I don't understand why the Thunder and the Blazers should even be watched by anymore. Because if you can't even stick with a team that doesn't have their third best player involved right now, how are you as the Oklahoma City Thunder going to say, yep, we can try and win this series? I don't see it. The Blazers are tough, though. They're a really deep team. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Cantor coming over really offsets that nergic injury. And I think. That's you know, true. That, that, that was really one of the greatest. Um, that was really one of the greatest uh, midseason signings this year. I mean, like, they, and they, they could never say, "Hey, we know this is going to happen," but you know, they were just prepared in every scenario. And that's how deep this team is. I mean, um, Seth Curry coming in and being able to hold off um, the Western Conference and 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 come in and say, "Okay, I, I, I got this. I, I can be Dame's sidekick during this stretch and keep him in the race to be a three seed." Uh, it, it's a really deep team. I mean. Uh, I think the Blazers win this series. I mean, I had them. I had them win I this series too. before before they uh, before uh, game one. And I think the Thunder. There's just something off about that team. I mean, I'm not sure that Schroeder should be. I'm not sure Schroeder should be getting this much run in the playoffs. Uh, um, I'm not. Maybe yeah. he shouldn't be getting any. I don't know. You know. But it's like, what's the alternative? And uh, what do you think the issue is on the Oklahoma City side? I think it's just too much Russell Westbrook. I think he is one of the best players in the NBA, bar none. The guy had a triple-double in his first game. I completely understand that. But there is something about this guy since the 2011 NBA Finals 
that he ha thinks that he's Kobe Bryant and he has to throw the team on his back and try and make every shot possible, even though he comes off as trying too hard. Now you have Paul George, who's a very good basketball player. But we go back to this once again, Chris. The experience for Paul George in the playoffs is not there. He had a good game, granted, don't get me wrong, but the killer instinct of him sometimes is missing in action. And I feel like that's going to be the problem for the Thunder going forward. Yeah, and, and you would like to see... You like to see him do a lot more. You want to see him do what he was doing at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. I mean, I, I think I think he's dealing with both shoulders that that are that are ailing right now. And I mean, I, I think I, I just can't I can't see them uh, coming in and, and and taking this series from Portland. How about this? Rockets sweep Jazz. What do you think? Oh, I can I can envision it. Uh, it's just not a good matchup for Utah. Utah's a very good team. It's they're really an underrated team still. Agreed. Agreed. But it's just not a good matchup for them. It, 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 you know they, they they can't really do anything with Harden. And then once they once they have to uh, devote more resources to to defending Harden, then you start to see all the other players kind of step up. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that the Jazz have run into Houston again this year, and they couldn't they you know they couldn't take another path because if they're on the other side of the bracket. You might be talking about saying, "Okay, the Jazz could be in the Western Conference Finals," but I mean, we're here. They're on the, they're on this side with the Rockets, and I think that's a sweep is possible. Uh, you know, especially how they looked the other night. It 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 wouldn't it wouldn't be too shocking. Another dud for me has got to be the Denver Nuggets. I don't know I don't know honestly what to think about this team. Sometimes they look like one of the top teams in the NBA, and then they look like the Warriors' redheaded stepchild at another time here. When will we see the Nuggets actually become the team that they were in the regular season? I don't know if it's coming. I mean, like, do you have faith that they're going to win this series? I mean, right now, if you had to, if you had to pick Popovich or Mike Malone, I I go Popovich anytime, anywhere. Popovich is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history against a guy right. who went twenty four and twenty five with the Kings. I don't know, honestly. Oh, Malone. Uh, I mean. I, I like the job that Malone did. I mean, he got he got him all the way here. I liked it. Yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna get he you know he's gonna have a chance to prove himself in the playoffs. And uh, but overall, I mean, overall this is a, this is a team that hasn't really played together that much as far as having all the pieces healthy. I mean, the Barton Harris thing is it, it's a little weird and it's it's a little bit of an awkward fit. Um, same with you know like 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 same with their front court uh, uh, situation where you know they had they had some injuries throughout the season. Millsap was out a little bit before, mm -hmm. um, and you know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hopefully try to get it on the fly with everyone's together. Had a, you know they have some time now, but it's a, it's gonna be it's, it's a work in progress, and that's why they could lose it at seven seeds first. And I wouldn't doubt that, and I don't think that should be a problem. But I just felt that this is just what really got on my nerves, Chris. These matchups are bad. I mean, and this is the Western Conference we're talking about. I mean, this is a different beast to the Eastern. But I just look at these and go, Rockets, Jazz, please. That's not going to be one. Spurs, Nuggets, Popovich is going to rise up and become the great coach that he is day in and day out. And then the Warriors. Don't worry. The Warriors are going to figure it out. They'll be able to knock off the Clippers in five or six games. But I, I just don't feel like right now, aside from... I don't see a Western Conference game that makes me go, man, i got to turn on the TV right now. And if I'm a casual viewer, I'm disappointed by these matchups. 
You're not buying into the uh, Kevin Durant, Patrick Beverly feud? No, I think that's a joke. I think that's about <laughs> as big of a joke as when Richard Karn hosted Family Feud for that year. That's how bad. I mean, if we're going to go down yeah, feuds, man, let's go down to the bottom of the barrel. I, those are a joke. I can't stand it when media guys put that nonsense out there. Ugh. I just, Chris, I just want, I just want the good times. I mean, I want to be able to, you know, sit back and go, man, I can't wait for this matchup, this matchup. These are crap. I go over to the NHL and I see all of these fantastic, fantastic matchups. I mean, you got Sharks, Golden Knights, you got uh, Stars, Predators, you got uh, Capitals and the Hurricanes battling it out. You got the Columbus Blue Jackets about to possibly make history if they can knock out the Lightning. I go over to the NBA and I'm like, when's the Eastern Conference Finals? When's the Western Conference? Because I don't care. You almost have to start looking at little like battles within the battles. Okay, right? okay. Um, I mean, you could talk about the Beverly Durant thing. I mean, that's kind of like an overinflated eh. thing. Eh. Um, I'm more so looking at how Golden State is going to how how is their rotation going to shake out after the Demarcus Cousins injury? That's like, true. Is Looney going to be the guy? Are they going to are they going to go back to the old death lineup? Now it's the death lineup's getting old. I mean, is it can Eagle Dollar be that 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 cog in that wheel? And um, so I started looking at things like that as as really really what you're looking for for really in preparation for the next series. You know, because because the Golden State Warriors, if they play the Rockets next series, they're there not going to be able to to coast the way they're they're coasting right now. Now, see, Chris, that is something that will make me tune, tune in and watch. I have to watch the Warriors and the Rockets because I feel like those are the two best teams in the Western Conference. And I feel like the winner of that series is going to go represent the Western Conference. I just feel like when I look at it right now, Warriors and Rockets and then everybody else. I mean, like I said, Spurs are a nice story. Nuggets are a nice story, but let's be honest. The Rockets got better so they could go beat the Golden State Warriors. That's what they're doing. That's why Mike D'Antoni put so much emphasis on James Harden when Chris Paul went down and Clint Capella went down, and they still were able to rise up and become one of the top teams. And that's how I feel right now. No, that's exactly it. I mean, like, the the Rockets are the second-best team in the West, and— you know, right. the record didn't reflect that, but you know they went through so many injuries this year, and they, Harden had to really carry everything on his back for a good stretch. And uh, you know they kind of, at, towards the end of the season they were, they had to kind of ease off him a little bit. And uh, you know getting the four seed in the matchup with the Jazz isn't the worst thing. And I don't think I don't think meeting the Warriors in the second round is the worst thing either. I mean last year no 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 last year they went through they went they're going to have to go through them anyway right no matter where no matter when it is and wouldn't you rather go through them now when you know everyone's healthy and and yes. and you don't have to play the extra 4 to 7 games of, of basketball against a team that you know you can probably beat uh you know cuz you would hate to see you you really would hate to see an injury in in that round impact the next series or or or, or that 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 really quality matchup i'd rather i rather have if i'm the, if i'm the rockets i think i might prefer this path i might because no one else is going to knock off the golden state warriors you have to do it and yes and that thank you thank you i agree on this and also i want everybody to stop thinking that the demarcus cousins thing is a is a big injury oh my goodness they're in trouble demarc they did not need demarcus cousins when they won their championships they don't need him now it's a sad story for him because i know that you know he just came back from a torn acl now he has a torn quad but it's not the end of the world. It's not a big, significant injury that makes me go, oh my goodness, the Warriors are in trouble. No. The Warriors have Steve Kerr. They still got Myers running the show. Joe Lacob's one of the best owners out there. 
they're gonna they're gonna fix it they'll be fine and we're getting ready for rockets warriors but until then give me a call later <laughs> yeah i mean it's a it, yeah it's not going to be something that deters them from the finals the only thing that will do that is is the rockets the rockets are going to have to beat them regardless of whether uh cousins right. is on the floor it's just a matter of uh matter of what choice how do they go about uh replacing him in the lineup and kind of reshifting and not putting too much stress on their on their starters um so they, they can go through and win win their 16 games again Chris Krauss of HoopRumors.com joining me here on Turning Points where we tell both sides of the story. Trying a new little conversational aspect here and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well as much as I did. Uh, Chris, talk about the thing that uh, you're plugging right now for HoopRumors.com. Sure, yeah. So we're running down the contract MVP. So each type of contract we're looking at and say, who is the most valuable under this kind of deal? Mm. Um, we talked earlier about Michael Carter-Williams. He did get our 10-day contract MVP. Uh, stiff competition. It was between him and Corey <laughs> Brewer, and it was really a matter if you wanted, uh, you really wanted something like that was a little more impactful, but yeah, short-term versus Corey Brewer, who was kind of like, Corey he is what he is throughout the season. <laughs> And uh, yeah. you know, so, so it's it's, uh, it's battles like that, and each one, each type of contract, it's 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 very interesting to see kind of where the value lies uh, under each type of deal. Uh, do you have anybody that's overrated contract wise? Uh, quite a few, yeah. But this this is more this is a piece this is a positive piece. Oh, this is a positive piece. Positive okay, I just want to make sure. It's about who's kind of doing the most uh, under under the type of deals they are, and uh, Cousins did get our uh, taxpayer mid level, which. <laughs> Only thirty games. Uh, you know that there's some there's some really good debates in here because do you give it to Cousins for his thirty games or do you give it to someone like uh, Monte Morris or uh, Tory Craig from the Nuggets who are both also signed under the, under that that type of mid level deal for a longer um, kind of a longer resume but yet not quite not quite the star star impact. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really cool piece to to write up and we have part one coming um, on Tuesday. And then uh, today, and then we have the other one coming uh, a couple days from now. It's going to be part two. Well, I can't wait to do that, and uh, definitely put that link up on on my uh, uh, Twitter, which is uh, Jake Turner Sport. Uh, you can also follow Chris anytime, day or night at CW underscore Kraus. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on here and uh, giving us some great insight. And we'll we're going to definitely do this again uh, if you can possibly. Maybe we could talk about doing this uh, every week to run down the playoffs in the NBA. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, we can definitely get it at least go round by round, and uh, you know, hopefully the Magic will will stick around. I'm I'm pulling for the Magic. I don't. I mean, I am I, too. I I, I kind of I see Toronto. I see Toronto still winning the East despite this uh, despite okay. this first uh, game. But you know, I would like to see the Magic come in there and uh, and, and get a second round series with the Sixers. That would be exciting. Uh, the Magic and the Sixers had some really good basketball games throughout the season. It was actually probably one of the top five best matchups that I saw this year that really got to me because as the Magic were starting to rise, the Sixers were maintaining, but the Magic had more reason to play, and they always gave it a fight with the Sixers. So I like it, though. I like it, Chris. All right, we'll talk uh, next round, and uh, we'll go from there. Hey, good stuff. Thanks, Jake. All right. That was Chris Krause of HoopRumors.com. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at, at CW underscore Krause. Uh, we got lots more coming at you next year on Turning Points. We're going to have my final word plus the top five turning points and where you can find it. That's all coming up next year on Turning Points. And you're listening to it right here on iTunes.